Welcome to Jurassic World. Welcome to the Jurassic World Minute, where we visit Jurassic World one minute at a time. Coming in May, book your tickets now for the exciting new exhibit, Verizon Wireless Presents the Indominus Rex. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And here we are to discuss Minute 16 of Jurassic World. But before we get to that, David, uh, going over to Jurassic-pedia.com, I only realised when I was going through and archiving all the uh, shows recently, we only started talking about Jurassic Jurassic Dashpedia about halfway mm-hmm. through the uh, Jurassic Park three minute when we get to the lab, and at the mo- at that time we're sort of just going off any new stuff being posted up there and some of the uh, sort of referencing material to what we'll talk about in the minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Since then we've sort of been talking mostly about uh, referencing the minutes we're discussing, but. Um, there's still new stuff going up there, and one thing that uh, went up on the uh, discussion page on Facebook, which uh, I thought we need to talk about, was um, the Vista view for mm-hmm. Jurassic Park and what was filmed, what wasn't, and how or what could have been. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, one of the one of the things with Jurassicpedia that we've always wanted to do is basically just continued research of the franchise. There's so many details in this franchise. So many things to reanalyze and look over. I mean, there's a lot of times I'll basically just rewatch the movies, just looking for new details I've not want, I've not noticed before, and then making write-ups about them. Mm. But this was this was one of those things where I was looking through my old um, some of my old photos here, and one of them was a scan that I did out of the Jurassic Park storybook. And in that photo, I th- I mean in that picture which I think is actually reversed now because looking back at it and comparing it to another photo posted by Julian Romero, or I'm sorry, Julius Romero of um, the Jurassic Park Origins project is he posted a photo of a deleted scene where the explorers pass this kind of wide open cliff face and look down into this big tree covered valley. And and, and in the background, you can kind of see the same kind of mountain range that is in the tree shot that we see in um, in the storybook uh, image that I scanned. Definitely that clearing, and, too. That clearing. Yeah. And that connects back to something that was kind of scripted and storyboarded and I think filmed was something called the Vista View. It was basically 
a um, short clearing in the trees where you look down into a valley and there's a herd of Brachiosaurus there. I think this was that. And in fact, there was even a alternate take in the Welcome Jurassic Park scene where Hammond tells Alan and Ellie that they'll see the Brachiosaurus again later on the tour, which presumably would again be that same herd that we see Grant making calls to in the tree for my bed scene. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I do remember when we seen, when they post up that photo of these two explorers on that on that road. The fact that they've, they've got the explorers there, they've laid the trackway down, they've done all the work to film these scenes. Um, we've, mm-hmm. only, we've only ever seen this one still. Um, I think uh, Joseph Malazzo, uh, I can't remember. <laughs> Yeah, um, Joe Mazzel, uh, as you Mal- brought up, um, Joe actually brought this scene up when he did the commentary on YouTube for the Jurassic Park rewatch with him. Mm. That was uh, a couple weeks ago, I think now. And he mentions that they shot the scene, but his dad wouldn't let him be in the car, so they had a stunt double because his dad was <laughs> afraid the cliff would be too unstable. Well, yeah, the fact that someone's in the back driving and he's just going off those front cameras and following the trackway and yeah in the shot here you can see the side that that bank's not too far away from the side of the car so no no it is not in fact it almost reminds me of some of the coastal uh driving trails that they had in in california northern california where you're basically you've got a cliff face on one side of you and the pacific ocean on the other side of you and you get you get seven feet of road <laughs> and that's all you get yeah yeah and again, it's just something from more little tidbits here from Jurassic Park of stuff that must exist somewhere. We're just not seeing it, whether it's destroyed yeah. or, or whatever else. But And it just kind of presses even more the need of a, I don't know what you would call it, assembly, assembly cut, Jurassic Park trilogy, the assembly cut where you basically take all these deleted scenes, and you know they got to be out there. There's so many stills of so many of them out there. Some of them had to have been saved from the cutting room floor. Yeah. And basically what they need to do is just reinsert them, clean them up, reinsert them, release the movie, the first three movies in 4K, with all of these deleted scenes back in. I know it would sell incredibly well. Yeah, every it's fan kind would of, want it. It's, we want the extended trilogy, and it's kind of the opposite with Star Wars fans. They want the, ori- <laughs> they want the original theatrical cut so bad, and Disney won't do it. We want the extended trilogy so bad, and Universal won't do it. Hmm. Yeah, it's a shame. After after the sixth film, just we want a big box set. Do it. Yeah. Celebrate celebrate six films in this franchise span in thirty. 32 years or whatever it will be by then. <laughs> Did you boys serve the armed forces? Afghanistan, sir! Did you general ever fly into battle with you? Oh! Got it! Got it! Also been real busy over the last couple of weeks trying to get uh, all our past episodes archived. I think the... Uh, iTunes store only shows the last 100 episodes, so a lot of people coming into the Lost World won't be able to see those earlier minutes. Um, so now I've been able to get everything uh, archived. Um, first up on uh, Google Drive, you can get every episode of the Lost World minute and Jurassic Park 3 minute on two separate drives there. All the links are on the website. And I've also started uploading 
the uh, the weekly podcasts over onto our YouTube channel. But please um, just take in mind there that you're probably going to be a week behind uh, week behind when the podcast actually released because I've got to take that file to work and get it converted to video and all that sort of stuff. So head over to the website. It's as well has been a little bit uh, forgotten about <laughs> the last little bit, but uh, head over there. You'll see the archive section for Jurassic World, uh, Jurassic Park for a minute and the Lost, uh, the Lost World minute. And um, also you can go over to our YouTube channel links there as well. Just to uh, more ways, David, to uh, ingest the show. Yeah. But yeah, Dave, just um, more ways, more places for our listeners to be able to uh, get the show and be able to listen to past episodes. Yeah, and I was going to say, I know that we do, we've had, have had a couple of people asking how to get some of the older episodes, so that will yeah, be great. Yep, yep, just spreading, spreading everything a bit further out there, making things a lot easier. You did it. You crazy son of a bitch, you did All right, Dave, we're only getting a minute 16. Yep. As we're in a minute 15 of Jurassic World, Masrani dropped quite a bombshell saying that uh, he was carrying on Hammond's wish, and never once did he mention profits. As we open on minute 16, Simon says, Don't forget why we built this place, Claire. Jurassic World exists to remind us of how very small we are. How new. You can't put a price on that. Now please, we're flying. At the 15 second mark, he faces forward and puts his sunglasses on, and says, Breathe as the helicopter starts to power up for its descent. At the 24 second mark, we pass a very familiar looking waterfall. At the 27 second mark, as a very familiar Jurassic theme begins to play, not quite sure what's in this film, the Masrani helicopter begins its descent to the Indominus paddock, landing on the gravel in the construction site outside the fence. At the 39 second mark, we see a pair of heels Step down onto the landings and in the gravel as Claire disembarks the helicopter. Masrani's already outside, walking around the front, staring up at the massive structure of the Indominus Rex paddock. Behind them, the trainer pilot is running for the foliage and vomiting heavily into the ferns. Claire asks Masrani, Is he okay? Then yells back to the man in the ferns, Are you okay? Simon calms her and says, Don't worry, he's just being overdramatic. He looks up at the fence and asks, Are you still building? Claire says they plan to open in May, but asset containment wants the fences built higher. She's bigger than they expected. And as minute 16 ends, ominous music begins to play as Simon Mazzarani looks up at a welder, reinforcing the wall. As we continue into minute 16, flying and the, the flying and chat continues. Simon cuts off Claire and says... Um, Another great line here, don't forget why we built this place clear. Jurassic World exists to remind us how very small we are, how new, which is something, um, again, just mm-hmm. the, wonder, the wonder here uh, of Jurassic World. And that's another thing that I think that this uh, move, um, the line I like, because it goes back to the novel where Grant ponders on how many people just really have this really difficult time conceiving of the concept of deep time 
And there was, and I talk about this with my dad all the time. Whenever we're watching like something with like mountains or anything, it's like, how does it, how does it just get up there and like inch by inch over millennia? And it's just something that people have a hard time conceiving of is like, say, a mountain just growing out of nothing over millions of years, you know? Yeah. Yep. Or Humanity. A, what's that? I was just going to say, even a stream carving its way through the rock and making a canyon, a river. Um, exactly, a yeah. Yep. And that's, a, yeah, or that, or like the Grand Canyon, we're watching a special on the Grand Canyon the other night, and he just could not conceive of a river cutting through a mesa like that that just eventually erodes into a gigantic canyon, you know? Yeah, yep. And it's weird because, I mean, humanity has just been something, there is just something on this planet that is so new, so new, and we've We've affected the planet, shaped it to our will so much that many geologists consider that we are in fact living in a new period of time that they dubbed the Anthropocene. And humanity has just reshaped the face of our planet in such a way, in such a short time, that it's easy to see why humanity would have a... uh, be have a difficult time conceiving of this of say a mountain or a pit forming on its own in millions of years when we can do it within five you know (laughs) yeah i mean look at some of the mine pits that they have for coal or other things in the united states and russia and in china and around the world where they're just basically mild, two mile deep pits in the world, in the world, and it's just something that we did over a couple of years. I mean, mm-hmm. you could imagine how hard somebody who does that it would be for them to consider it taking millions of years for that to happen naturally. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And of course, we want everything now <laughs> straight away. We have no patience, <laughs> man. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's only gotten worse. People are so impatient <laughs> these days. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah. But uh, also here we sort of, as I mentioned last minute, get a bit of this Jurassic Park theme or score here, which I don't think we need at all in this scene or in this flight. The um, the Jurassic World theme was quite fine here, but um, as Ryan continues, you can't put a price on that. Now, please, we're flying. <laughs> which, which again, like. Just one of the simplest things of being able to fly. You can't put you can't put a price on that either. Yeah, I was gonna say that is true. I mean, you can yes, you can calculate the money that it takes to uh, go to some place like the redwoods or the Grand Canyon, but looking at pictures just is not the same as being there. Not at all, you know. And you. I mean, sure, you can put a price on the picture, you can put a price on the plane ticket, but you can't put a price on the experience. And in, yeah. the, in the end, that is what he, or Maserani is talking about here. You can't put a price on seeing something like dinosaurs in person. Yeah. Yep. That's, yeah, even now, you go on vacation, you take all the photos in the world and bring back. That's just to try and keep 
your memory of the experience going. It's not to uh, show others what your what your experience was like because they can't, they weren't there, they they weren't experiencing it. Yeah. But, uh, that's when he puts his sunglasses back on and concentrates as they uh, come into land. Is <laughs> now breathe, <laughs> so he's starting to uh, psych himself up now to be able to come in and land. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just going back to that line again, real quick about how. It exists to remind us how new we are, and you can't put a price on that. You go to the museum, and you see these bones, and you don't really connect with it as you, I think, as if you were to go to a zoo and see, say, an elephant in person versus the elephant's bones in a museum. You don't conceive just how truly massive and big these creatures are. Like, for example, when I went to the Redwoods and ran into a herd of elk, I've seen elk stuffed in a museum before. I mean, it's not like I've never seen what one looks like, but seeing one, hearing it breathe, hearing how big it is, seeing how big it is, that is a whole different experience entirely. Yeah, just just being able to hear the sounds it makes. um... Exactly. I mean... You you feel that intimidation when you come up, you accidentally come up on a big bull elk, and it's staring at you, and it, uh, from its head seven feet up in the air, you know. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah. The... I mean, it just makes you feel small. Yeah. <laughs> unless you unless you've got a really big sound system, having the T Rex yell outside a car door is never going to come across to what that experience was actually like for uh, the kids there in Jurassic Park and yeah Yeah. or even seeing like a living T-Rex head I mean the the (laughs) animatronic head uh, the one to one animatronic head that's got to be something to see you know yeah even even that just behind the scenes as they're rehearsing and stuff like that would have been amazing uh, outside the chopper flies over the treetops and uh, another ridge, and uh, I know we've got to go back to Jurassic Park with the wind shears and that. Uh, maybe flying through this terrain's not the the best, but he seems to be flying a little low, uh, close to the treetops as they're flying along here. <laughs> He's definitely giving his instructors. <laughs> I would love to comment uh, just. Can we get a get a couple more feet altitude or something something here? But as the uh, as more as that JP score plays, uh, we fly past Jurassic Falls, which uh, far south on Newbar. Uh, I don't actually think it's the Jurassic Falls. I mean, obviously it's it's the filming location, but I don't think it's supposed to be the same falls with the landing pad and all that in the course of the film itself i'm sure isla nublar has a hundred different waterfalls you know yeah we see but, another one later in the movie yeah but the fact they're playing the Jurassic park theme here as well uh, uh, yeah i don't know I, uh, yeah i mean it's clearly meant to be a nostalgia nod to the fans i mean it, it's in the course of the movie itself now of course it's not the same waterfall but to the fans who know and recognize it they they know what they're doing. That's why they have the theme and the, and the helicopter fly past it and all that, you know? Well, I suppose, too, the last time we've seen a helicopter flying on the island was a helicopter approaching that helipad as well. Yeah. Except for the the, the evacuation, of course. But, mm-hmm. 
and well, the other thing too, until I've seen photos of the actual falls where they shot, it's it's a lot different the way it's filmed in that first movie. Those falls look like they're a mile high, <laughs> just mm-hmm. the way it sort of comes in. It's just two separate two separate shots of the helicopter coming in um, the one sort of area. But yeah, no, you got a point there. Um, mm-hmm. Well, of course, that's the montage shot, and um, the the falls is not as high as just is that they make it look and um you can kind of see that when they're in the jeeps pulling away from yeah. the scene yeah but at the same time i mean it's that montage shot it's meant to make it look or look bigger and more spectacular yeah yep but uh as the jp theme comes to an end the helicopter lands rather hard down at the construction site on that gravel I, there's no safety set up at all i I don't know if anyone knew they were coming. Uh, everyone, everyone seems to just keep on working as normal. There's no surprise from the crews, but it just seems weird. Again, it's Masrani; he can do what he wants, but uh, we're just going to come in and land at this construction site. <laughs> um, and uh, that's when we get a low shot of uh, those high heels coming out, of the helicopters, clear steps out. Um <laughs> We get it. You know, it's the second time we've got that shot in this film. Yeah. We're going to get a couple more, but uh, Masrani's already outside and standing in front of the uh, the <laughs> helicopter as it's powering down. Oh, you sorry. Repeat it. Sorry, I'm still laughing about it. <laughs> oh, um, and uh, that's when the instructor runs off into the foliage, and we can clearly hear vomiting sounds. He's, he must have had some lunch or breakfast before this flight. Um, yeah, they have some breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Claire asks, uh, "Is he okay?" And then uh, Mesra sort of yells at him as he's running away, "Are you okay?" <laughs> the, to the instructor, but uh, Mesra just keeps on walking forward, taking the air, and yells back, "Oh, he's just being dramatic." <laughs> <laughs> uh, which you, you got to wonder how much bribe money Mesra is giving the instructor to get him to pass the license, because you'd think if he's still got two more tests yet and he's flying with disability, he's he probably should have been told a while back that uh, you're not you're not cut out to fly. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up, but now that it's out there, yeah, he's definitely given some money, somebody, <laughs> some money to get the his, this license. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's when he looks up at the the big wall here for the building, um, and he asks, "Are you still building?" And Claire follows after him, fixing her hair. <laughs> uh, we planned to open in May, but asset containment insists we build the walls up higher. It's bigger than they expected. Which is an interesting thing because we know that this construction site, it's this pen is not meant to be temporary. From the viral site, they show that this pen is going to be the the pen that it's in. This is where this is where they're going to showcase it, and they're going to eventually build a whole kind of um, what's the word? They're going to build a whole stadium around it. So evidently. It's kind of weird that they would be building. They would have built it so short, even being, even being that this was going to this. It was smaller than they expected. Sorry, I was trying to find the right words there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Being I, even if it's bigger than is expected, you'd think they'd still big it, build it bigger, so it's not jumping up and swiping at people at the uh, bottom at the in the front row seats. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I. I I'm going back to when we started seeing this location, of course, being at Kaloa Ranch in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and we've discussed numerous times before this this being one of the only sets for the whole franchise still in existence. Um, yeah. Just even though they've, they've done some work on it recently to uh, try and make it stay around for a bit longer, but uh, yeah, it, being a, a air quotes holding pen for this animal, it is up in the restricted zone as well. Um, and we discussed when we we're talking about the map and that that the restricted zone is probably more so just a off uh, off limits area of the park. And when this mm-hmm. would be built or finished and open to the guests, it'd be mm-hmm. um, included in the main park area. The restricted zone line would go beyond it, and we'll probably have a monorail mm-hmm. coming up here as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we do, we do have that concept art and that that I'll post up on the Facebook page of that uh, mm-hmm. Verizon Indominus Rex stadium i'll call it mm-hmm. um but it's sort of i suppose we don't really know its growth when we know it was born in 2005 wasn't it? it's five years old or 2010 i'd have to go back to the yeah. the pd article of its when it was born when we seen those eggs at the start of the film um, it is only a couple of years old i do know that it's not it's not like it's been there for a couple years, I mean, for a couple decades, you know? Yeah. It's not like the female T-Rex that we see later. Yeah, yeah. I just wonder what, what, what point um, Wu and the lab have deemed the creature viable, that it's going to survive, and uh, Claire and Masrani have said, well, we've got this animal, let's make an enclosure or an exhibit out of it. Um, well, it's we kind saw- of... It's interesting because it's kind of left implied in the course of the movie that they just kind of dumped it here in this uh, octagonal pen, and then they just kind of didn't the it and its sister didn't really get along, and the Indominus just eventually ate her sister, and there's nothing they could really do about it. Oh, <laughs> well, that that raises a whole new question. You got this small enclosure that you're going to have two of them in. Um, mm-hmm. You're not making the enclosure bigger um, floor, like floor plan wise. You're just making the walls higher. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame. We know the set's only got three walls on it. It's not an enclosed um, enclosed paddock. Uh, paddock Eleven. We'll find out. It's called later on. But the fact that it's when we look out from that viewing area, it does seem to be a lot larger than um, than what it looks on the outside. But mm-hmm. you're going to have two of these carnivores in here. <laughs> Uh, it's almost as bad as having those those three raptors in that holding pen in it's such a small yeah. space. Initially, it's supposed to be eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So they meant for it to be eight, and the and then the the big one that killed the, all but two, the the other two. No wonder you you stick stick eight raptors in a, a pen that size. Of course, they're going to kill each mm-hmm. other. Uh, Another thing, though, here that's kind of weird. Is the big door? Yeah. I mean, I'm not. Sh- they use a crane to feed it, and presumably they would have had a mosasaur style, probably like a line that would come down and drop a food during the feeding show or whatever they have going on, whatever kind of show they have going on for it. But I mean, if you didn't want it to get out, why would you make a door big enough for it? It's kind of like, King, I mean, you ever see King Kong? If they didn't want King Kong in the village, why did they make the door King Kong size? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely come back to that when it uh, finds a way to get out of that door. But it, it is a good point. I, again, 
we need we need stuff to happen in order for chaos to ensure and the plot to continue. Yeah. Um, even even her just the, the idea of her scaling the wall. I don't. Which I do recall a fan video did do that did do a making of the Indominus escape before the movie came out. It was just basically the Indominus. It was a CGI render and it was a nighttime. Um, what, what, what would you call that? Night vision feed of the Indominus Rex scaling the wall and climbing out, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. I think there's the speculation of how she got out when the trailers started dropping and we saw the claw marks on the side of the wall that they, uh, these, there was the speculation that she basically climbed, excuse me, climbed out of the enclosure. Well, everyone believed that's what happens as we see later when they go in, <laughs> go into that enclosure. But, um, mm, yeah. But the other thing here too is the fact that they want to open in May. If we're here in December, they've still got five months of construction mm-hmm. to get this stadium up. Um, the whole time this animal's alive and in, in the enclosure and being fed mm-hmm. uh, by crane for now. As you said, they're probably going to have some sort of automated feeding system and that for later for spectators and just to feed her. What that would have entailed, we have, we don't know. But but yeah, we've we got a lot more to discuss about uh, this enclosure and the inside uh, when we the next few minutes when we start mm-hmm. to see a bit of it. Um, it's some of the issues there. Why, why you need to so heavily uh, populate and enclose with foliage um, for something to be able to hide in? But we'll get to that soon. Um, as the minute ends, uh, we see a world of working up on the wall and some of the other um, workers busy working on the construction project. So that's um, that's all that on minute sixteen over at the novel. Uh, Dialogue and everything's pretty much identical to the point here where we uh, arrive at the Indominus Rex enclosure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Dave, that's minute 16. Thanks for joining me. No you don't have anything else to add? Uh, no, I think we covered that pretty well. <laughs>